Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Whether you're pacing short for your start goals or your summer melt needs a cool down, your challenges can be overcome with the right partner. In collaboration with the EdUp Experience, our sponsors, MDT Marketing, are offering a free marketing consultation. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and start your free consultation. It's direction for your unique situation that will help you ramp up your marketing and enrollment efforts, and it's all for free. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. We do like to have a little fun along the way. And Liz, my name is Dr. Joe Salustio. In case you were wondering, I was about to forget to say my own name. You, you saw me recover there. But Liz, I'm, I, I got to talk to you because I'm very concerned about you. Um, I have a bone to pick with you. Would you like to know why? Let me have it. Go ahead. I, I'm really interested about this, this bone you have well, to pick with me. I, I came on to do the episode with our outstanding, amazing guest, which I'll introduce here in a second. But there was another person on the line here. So I'm wondering if there's back channel work being done to replace me as your co-host. Because I came on to the meeting this morning, and there he is, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, all ready to be a co-host here at the Edip Experience. And I'm wondering if you're trying to replace me. You know what? I, we're just having some little maneuvering here. We're just seeing how we can make some improvements. So, I mean, let's just roll with it. You know, let's just let's just see how how it goes here. I'm I was wondering. Though. I was wondering why this invitation was missing from my calendar, but now I know. Uh, joining us today, a special guest host. His name, you know him by now, it's John Ferrar. John is Director of Education at Google. John, how you doing? Uh, uh, doing great, Joe, Liz. Thanks for having me on. I think, Joe, that what Liz just described is uh, commonly known as a hedge. Uh, ah. the future. So uh, if that's what Please. I am, I'm happy to be that. Um, thanks for having me on. Really excited about uh, seeing where this journey leads us. And thanks again to you and Liz for starting this, this podcast. I know it's caught fire in our space. It's a great public service you're doing. Well, and thank you for confirming that Liz is, uh, is trying to replace me. John, I appreciate that. And we'll talk after everyone. But for now, I'd like to introduce our amazing, amazing guest that we have for you today. His name is Dr. W. Kent Fox, and he is president at the University of Florida. They're the Gators, I think. Ken, how you, Kent, how are you doing today? Go Gators, I'm doing well. Thanks for letting me join you and Liz and, and John. And uh, I am so excited that at least one of you is a Gator, Liz. Go Gators. Yes. <laughs> I, I gotta laugh, I gotta laugh because I believe our entire audience of the 40,000 downloads we've had of this podcast knows that Liz is a Gator because in each and every episode, somehow, amazingly, the University of Florida makes its way in to That's the right. episode. That's in right, fact, and, if you're not, and if you're not a Gator, you're Gator bait, so just keep that in mind as well. <laughs> and, and, Kent, and Kent, it's gotten to the point now where I go, Liz, do you want to talk about the University of Florida real quickly so we can get it out of the way? So just so you know. Yeah, well, you know that we have that pride, and when you're the best, that's what happens. That's the confidence that comes with knowing you're the best. So here we here here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I bleed orange Thank and blue. You. What can I tell you? Yeah, there you go. Thank well, you. Kent, we're so honored that you're with us today. We've got a lot of questions for you. I'm going to ask uh, just one. I think this is a big one. You run a large university, University of Florida SEC, on ground you know, having to shift probably to some degree online, you have athletics, you have news, you've got, you know, going on about the university, there's faculty. How are you able to keep your focus on students with all of these other things going on around you that, that are mm -hmm. 
that complement, yeah. right? They complement the student journey, their ancillary services, the business of education, yeah. the administrative part. How do you keep your focus on the students? Yeah, no, it, 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 it's a great question because most people don't think of universities or colleges as, as businesses. Uh, I'll just give you an example. We, we have uh, our own academic healthcare center here, which means, you know, college of medicine and dentistry and pharmacy and, and, and veterinary medicine and nursing, just that whole spectrum of, of healthcare. And we also own our own hospital. So the business part of just that piece of the university is about $4 billion a year, if you can imagine. So it's, it's a, there really is a business. Um, but you're also right in your question in that, uh, for me personally, and I think this is true for most people that work at universities, the heart of the university is not the business. The heart of the university are the students, uh, and particularly those students that who come to a college or a university for the very first time in their lives, and their lives are changed. The lives are changed because of the people they meet, people that are different that from them, people that are from other countries, uh, the courses they take, uh, the, the new things they discover, whether it is you know, in athletics or, or, or just a, a new hobby or a sport, whatever it is, their lives are changed. And, and just keep reminding ourselves that even though we have challenges on the business side, and every university does, it's the students. And, and they bring joy and energy that energizes uh, the rest of us. Mm. That's uh, well said. You know, I think that uh, to your point, there are so many people within, within higher ed that I don't know if they refuse to look at higher ed as a business, but they don't understand or don't want to understand the consumeristic tendencies that students have. And John, you know this really well, working at Google, right, that students more than ever are looking at college, they understand that they're making a purchase, they're looking at some type of outcome, and that's really some of the ways they measure up their decision. Yeah, no, it's a great point, Joe. And by the way, I want I want at least partial osmosis credit for having a sister who's a gator. So while we're having this, oh, fun, I, we oh goodness, your your sister's very smart. I, I love that you guys. <laughs> the smartness runs in your family, John. You and your sister, kudos because that's but, awesome. but Liz, Liz, who would be smarter, John or his sister? The, John, you know, the sister that went to Florida, or or John. <laughs> I give them equal. I give them equal oh, because John yeah. is, a, is a is a fan. He's SEC, so I I got to give him that. You're I don't know what 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 conference are you guys in? I'm not even sure. <laughs> my so. father does refer to my sister as the sharper of the two. That's actually a true story. So um, I think you're right. Uh, he would say that. Um, but you're going back to your point, though. Uh, we're having a lot of conversations about uh, what President Fox just referred to as you know higher ed as a business and. I think my role here is probably to ask some of those uh, questions along those lines specifically as it's as we are you know enduring uh, the disruption that COVID has brought upon us and the, and the rise of online expansion. I, I would love to pick your brain on this. I think our friend Brandon Bustida at, at Forbes published an article last week that basically uh, postulated at least that you know our big brand universities, our flagship universities, and I would say Florida is certainly one of those may have aspirations of getting to 100,000 to upwards of a million students, obviously a lot of that online. Um, have noticed UF actually has a very robust online offering and I'm not asking you to tip your hand on Florida's plans, but I would love your reaction to that as a function of this, you know, higher ed as a business. Do you think that is in the cards? Um, and do you think some of our bigger institutions will start taking on populations um, at an increased and scaled level? I think I have a sort of a multifaceted uh, response. The, for us, and every college university has a different perspective, different business plan, or different uh, vision for the future. Uh, we're not growing the residential part of our university. We're, we're large. Uh, we're about 50,000, a little over 50,000 students. Two thirds of those are undergraduate bachelor's degree students, and a third are graduate uh, masters and doctoral and professional degree students like law and, and medicine. And we, we're, we don't wanna grow that piece, particularly the undergraduate residential piece. But, but as, as, as you, were, you were saying, indeed, the, uh, the online piece gives us the ability to scale uh, and does not negatively impact the, the residential experience. So we have that opportunity. So you, indeed, you know, we've, we've had we, we've all gone through sort of the, the era where we were thinking there would be 
uh, massive online courses, the, the MOOCs. And, but now we've evolved to believe that indeed there are certain degree programs that we can offer fully online that will be high quality and won't degrade the other things that we're doing. So we, we the University of Florida, before my time here, had made a, an investment with the help of the state in our online program. It's, it's actually that there are rankings of online programs and ours is highly ranked for a bachelor's degree. And we are growing that, although it's, we don't yet see that as being in the hundreds of thousands of students. Um, I think if we can get to 10,000, we're not quite to 10,000 now for the online piece. Uh, you know, this is past COVID. Uh, that's where we wanna, that's our vision for now. Now it may change. And there may be other universities that, that are thinking, wow, I can scale this to hundreds of thousands, but we don't, we don't see that either from the demand side or in terms of what we are, ourselves wanna do. We wanna have a rich online option because certain students, that, that's really for them what they need. Uh, they're at a different point in their life. They may not be a 17 year old uh, student just getting out of high school. They, they have our online students, the fully online students just are, are some of them coming back for, uh, to finish their college. Others of them are, are, are living in a, in a place where they really can't move, they got families. So it, it, uh, we, we see it as giving us the opportunity to grow um, and have more gators, uh, but, uh, but, but not uh, dramatically so. That's, at least that's our current business plan. Mm. And that's, that's really interesting and I appreciate you being so uh, transparent and, and Liz, what do, you, what do you think about that? I mean, you, get, you went to Florida and you know, one of the things that you, you've talked about, Liz, is that especially as a, um, and you'll say this better than me, a first generation student, you went to Florida, it was massive. Um, and you, know, you have to really kind of make the campus smaller for yourself and students do have to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that it's, it's very interesting to see how a school like University of Florida, huge school, great uh, academics, wonderful programs, top ranked in, in so many different areas. Uh, I guess I would love to see, um, to hear President Fox um, weigh in on that because I think for me, I was there and I was from Fort, um, Fort Lauderdale and it did seem very huge. And I think that in terms of what I'm looking at as far as the recent numbers, as far as diversity and what's being what's happening on campus in terms of students, it's like a 50-50 split between uh, white students as well as students of color. I see um, above average rankings as far as um, faculty and um, that representation there. And I think a part of being able to have a community of students that's inclusive, even though you have a huge amount of students, such a, a large amount of students, is having those uh, inclusive communities and, and students need to see faculty that represent them and they need to be able to create bonds with students that represent them. Um, I would love to hear about some of the initiatives on campus and, and it seems like, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that this is probably really intentional in terms of finding ways to create, I know I was there on a, a minority scholarship. So that was an intentional outreach. Uh, I will never forget Dr. John Boatwright. He came to my high school, 90% um, black high school in um, the community here in Fort Lauderdale and was really intentional. How Liz, have Liz, you, you been- Liz, you attended in the 80s or the 70s? Uh, <laughs> you know what? You better stop it. You went to school in the 70s. I you went to school in the 90s. So I actually am still dating myself, but you know what? The great thing about my experience there was that I did have the um, minority uh, office in the College of Journalism where they were able to nurture and, and guide me as far as being a journalism major. But I wonder, you know, if, you know, are, are we, is it the, the mentoring programs? Is it having those offices on campus? What are some of the things that you feel make a campus more inclusive for our students that are coming from these different um, diverse backgrounds? Liz, you, the word you use that is absolutely the, the secret, it's magical, is, is community. Uh, and this is true, I would say, whether you're a, a large university with graduate and undergrads or whether you're a, a small uh, liberal arts college, uh, you got to find your community as a student if you're going to thrive, if you're going to flourish, if you're going to uh, uh, actually be well-educated. Um, and so the community is so important. And, and at, a, at a university that, that happens, 
it has to be intentional, um, as, as you said, and it happens not just through the administration or just the professors, but from fellow students and from, from uh, the, what we call staff, the, the other employees of, of the university. Uh, so from the student side, having uh, student organizations that really uh, draw and create a community for students of, of common interest. Um, and sometimes those can be uh, around uh, ethnicity or they may be uh, the Jewish, the reflects your, your, your personal background or maybe even your religious perspective. Uh, others of those are around a common interest, uh, you know, could be electronic gaming uh, and or just, we have a thousand, literally we have 1000 of these different student organizations that are run by students and then the students fund them through their, their student fees. So the community is so, so, so important. And then through the, us as a university, through the admissions process, we have the opportunity to, to create those communities. We get to create a class that reflects a breadth of interest, a, a breadth of experiences, a, a breadth of backgrounds and ethnicities and, and gender it, it, and, and that, and we can be intentional on that side. And then when they get here, uh, this intentional mentoring piece, and again, the mentoring is not just the professors, but it is other students, upper-class students, students that may be even your, say, residence hall advisor. Uh, we, I'll give you one example of, of a program that was created here at the University of Florida before I arrived. Uh, it's called the uh, Matchin Florida Opportunity Scholar, and uh, Bernie Matchin was the pre previous president and is named in his honor. It is a, a intentional way of supporting students who are the first time in their families, first member of their families to go to college. So nobody in the history of their family has ever gone to college except for them. And, and the students that are in that program we have a cer ceremony for them when they get here uh, and then when they graduate. Um, and uh, the stories that they tell are just, uh, you cry because their, their lives, they didn't think they were gonna go to college. And this program has financial support for them. Uh, this program has uh, program mentoring support for them. Their lives are just changed. And what's truly special is that you know, it's not just their life, but it's their, children, if they have children, it's their grandchildren, it's, it's generations, and it may be also their brother or sister's life. So it is, that is just so, and that's what a, a college university is, is about, is changing uh, the generations of, of families permanently. Uh, and that's happened, you know, in our lives, and, and, and we have this privilege of, of passing it on. So it is, it, those are the three stages, I believe. It's the the recruiting and, and the admissions and, and the supporting of them. And it sounds like you had that experience if somebody intentionally went in and spoke at your high school. Uh, and and, and we, we're right in the process now of just beginning to, to recruit a, a new individual that a vice president for enrollment that we call it, that will be helping us think about it. We losing a person who's going on to a, a private foundation. And this gives us an opportunity to assess, you know, what are the areas that we should build on and, and, and strengthen in our areas of, of admissions and recruiting. You can't just admit them. You've got to actually go out and, and find them and, and intentionally recruit them. And I, I want to pass it back um, to my co-host, but I, I just want to say briefly, that interaction with Dr. Boatwright literally changed my life. I was homesick with the flu and he was at my school recruiting, looking for students. And, and I think about the fact that he came intentionally to one of the poorest neighborhoods probably in Fort Lauderdale and was looking for high achieving students to attend University of Florida. My guidance counselor called and she said, I know you're homesick, but Dr. Boatwright needs to talk to you. And I could barely talk. My throat was burning because I had the flu. And I remember him saying, I, I have heard so much about you and I need to talk to you. And that was when he told me over the phone, I almost cried now. That was when he told me over the phone that I was going to be offered a full scholarship to University of Florida. Mm. And I just remember I was feeling so awful, but just how proud I was and how 
really mm. touched I was by the fact that he made that effort to call me and my mom, I mean, it was like a regular phone, right? Like there wasn't cell phones back then as John knows, as uh, as Joe knows, I, this was back in the stone age days. So he called on a landline, long time ago. Long time ago <laughs> and he called on a landline and I remember holding the phone to my ear and it was like, I was literally like sh my hands were shaking to just talk to him and how proud I was after I got that phone call. So those interactions that we develop with students and that intentionality of seeking out students that might not otherwise have those opportunities. I'm glad that you spoke to that because it's really important. So mm. thank you for addressing that. Mm. Now, Liz, when you said when you said you're going to pass it to your co-host, was that to me or to John? I actually was, was that... saying I was actually meaning John because I'm literally looking directly at John's name on my screen. Oh. So I wasn't even talking to you, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, you I, would, I would really love for John to weigh in because I know he has some amazing questions. So let's go ahead and let John take this next one if you don't mind. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I do have a good dovetail off that. That's that's an amazing story. Um, thank, thank you. And, and um, look, you, Liz and I have talked about this before. One of the things that we uh, are trying to do with our customer base is you know prepare them for their future student pipeline. And this, this isn't earth-shattering news, but if you're under 18 in America right now you're more than likely to be part of the multicultural majority. And as a result, every university's future student pipeline is, is reflective of that change. One of the things we're trying to do with our data is to provide some insight into what that looks like. And that student population does value student services higher, sometimes dramatically higher, things like career counseling, mental health, academic advising. And, I've, and it actually leans into the, the online form of education at an even higher rate as well. As a president like yourself, I'm one like yourself. I'm wondering how you think about um, planning for the future of that, and it, how do you set up, um, I guess, your resources to accommodate for what is that changing student pipeline? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it you know we have a, a specific context here in the state of Florida, so it's a state where the the college age population is growing. Um, that the entire state is growing. And it's growing through families that are here, but also immigrants uh, from other states and uh, from around the world. Uh, so the, it, for us, it, we're not being challenged as some colleges and universities are with just the, the demographics. Um, for us, it's being intentional about who we are and, and, and what kinds of, of, of role will we play. Uh, we're a public university in the state of Florida supported by the state but what, what, what role are we gonna play in, in that spectrum of higher ed within the state and, and also nationally? Um, I, I too graduated from high school in, in the state of Florida and you all were joking about the 70s. It, for me, it was the 70s. <laughs> None of you were in the 70s in, in terms of graduating from high school or college, <laughs> but I was. And when I graduated from Miami Killian Senior High School in 1973. South Florida, so stand up, yay! Yeah, way, I mean that with deep respect, <laughs> deep respect to the 70s. Yeah, go, go Cougars. That's um, right. They, they, we, uh, it, 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 there, there weren't a lot of choices in, in this state for colleges um, and universities because it was a young state uh, in the 70s. It sounds like a long time ago. And, uh, but now there's just so many options across the state of Florida. Uh, it's hard to think of the state of Florida as young, but it, it really is. And, and, there, so, and there are universities now that are larger than the University of Florida and some of them did not even exist when I graduated from high school. University of Central Florida did not exist as the University of Central Florida when I, when I graduated. And it is now our, one of our nation's largest universities and it's located in, in Orlando. Uh, so for us, it's, it's being intentional or, or thinking uh, in the future about what kind, because we're hiring faculty as we speak and the kind of faculty that we hire, their expertise, their discipline, their, their uh, teaching commitment, that's a commitment that we hope is gonna be for a good 30 years that they'll spend their career here. And that will, so we're creating the university of the future primarily through, through hiring faculty. We, we, we're different in a, than much of the, the business or corporate world where I as president can't say, okay, now all the faculty are now gonna teach X or they're gonna teach journalism, Liz, or they're gonna teach artificial intelligence. We're hiring faculty that have an interest that will likely, an expertise, that will endure. Uh, so it, it, I would say around the faculty hiring is the area where we're most focused. And uh, this, it, and John, you know, we're not, 
we're not Google, but we're, we've decided to focus on the next couple of years in areas related to uh, the broad area of artificial intelligence, uh, data science and analytics and all of that across all 16 colleges. So the arts and, and journalism, uh, as well as things like engineering and agriculture. Uh, we, we, so that's the way I, as a president and, and the college deans can influence the future is not by creating a, a, a product uh, that, that we're going to uh, focus on apart from the students and, and the research, but it really is the investment in the recruiting and the kinds of faculty, their interests and their commitment to, to the mission of the university. Which is, which is unique, uh, Kent, because there are a number of schools, and I probably don't have to tell you this, that are going through faculty reductions right now as a mm. result of the pandemic. They're releasing faculty. You're seeing a reduction in tenured faculty, right? Because they represent oh. a fixed expense. I have to say, you know, I hate to bring it down to the financial level, moving more towards adjunct faculty. The University of Florida is seeing application increases. You, um, I, I was reading an article from, uh, oh, I think it was the Gainesville Sun saying, you know, you guys, there was an initial worry that the pandemic was going to maybe give you as much as a, what, 25% reduction in applications, but instead you're seeing an increase in applications, but other universities in Florida are seeing that decline happen. Why do you think the University of Florida is seeing a renewed interest or increased interest amidst other decline? It, I, I claim it's the university president, but it's not. That's the secret. <laughs> it um, could be. Uh, We're yeah. going to go with, let's sure. go with that. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's not. No, no. It, um, uh, the, you know, part is, is indeed, we, we've worked hard to uh, this, don't tell my faculty, but to market the university. Um, and, and by that, to, to make it uh, under, understandable to, to the audience, it's, it's not general kind of marketing. We, we just want to be more visible. The, the, the state of Florida and the and higher ed in, in the state of Florida, um, traditionally, um, not in the last decade, but several decades in the past, really was geographically focused on the Southeast and, and on Florida. Uh, Florida is a, a big state geographically, a long state, uh, has a good population as we described. And so it's easy just to focus on that population, but, but uh, th that's not how you, you build the reputation. You, you really, and, and I don't think it's the way you, you build excellence in education because you want, I believe, students to have uh, maybe a, a, a dorm mate or a, a friend or at least a classmate that comes from a country you've never heard of or comes from a part of the United States you've never visited. Uh, and that makes, that makes your own education richer. And so that, that part we, we worked hard at. Some universities have been doing this forever, uh, but we've worked hard at, at creating what I call geographic diversity to enrich, enrich the education of the students. And for us, it's not a, it's not a business decision in the sense of revenue, because we're reinvesting in the, in the extra revenues we get. It's simply to enhance our reputation uh, and secondly, to uh, enrich the, the education. The, the way I describe it to, to our trustees and elected officials is, you know, if, if Yale only admitted students from Connecticut and Princeton only admitted students in New Jersey, we probably would never have heard of those, those universities. And it's because they, they have people from around the world in the, in the, and around the, the nation that they are, uh, provide that rich educational environment. And, and so we've been intentional about uh, hiring more people that actually they live in California, they live in Texas um, and in New York City, and they're working to recruit. And hopefully they'll show up in, in a high school like the experience Liz had in South Florida and saying, uh, you know, we want you to come to the University of Florida and be a Gator. You know, you said something in there and Liz, you and I see this all the time. And we talk about this all the time. And I get to use you because you're faculty, you, you teach online. And you said something in there, Kent, that, um, you know, don't tell the faculty about mar that, that we're marketing or making ourselves more visible. Okay, my mind, my mind just went exploded and John probably did too. He had steam come out of his, out of his ears because higher education, and this is to all faculty and around the world, is in its most competitive state it's ever been. Online universities with huge budgets, on-ground universities now going online, University of Florida and, and name, name brand, you, you want to get your message out. Now you have an opportunity to get your messaging out. 
but the consumer or the student understands value. They still understand value and value proposition and why should I go and what do I get? That is marketing, right? And so there's the, we talk about, uh, I come from the non-traditional side of, of higher ed. We talk about a lot about this a lot where do, uh, do people within these large research universities like the University of Florida with, with like you said, the, uh, the ancillary services, if you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team at MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Do people really understand that you still have to market your university? Well, the, it's, uh, I, I tease our faculty. And so part of it is joking that they, they, they would prefer not to think of students as customers. And I, I, I just got scolded a couple of weeks ago for, for using the word customers when talking about students to some faculty. Uh, it, 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 but, but it does, to do it intentionally, it helps them understand that um, you're you're not uh, you, what we're what we're really here about uh, in terms of of uh, the, the students having options to go elsewhere, uh, the, the 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 business proposition about uh, how much they're going to have to spend in total cost of education, not just tuition, but uh, your your living expenses, your your books, and and all of all of those kinds of things. Uh, so the, the business part of it is, I, I think it's actually good. And, and uh, you know, we're a public university, so the business side of the university is something that's important to the, the state legislature because they're making an, an investment right. in the university and in the students. They, they provide some financial aid, so they, they want to get a value back from, from that as, as well. So, so I, it's, I, I think it is important to, to use the, the language at times that it works well in the business community. Um, but I also have to hope the, the, the faculty understand that, that uh, we're not here to make a profit. This is a nonprofit university. Um, we're, we're investing in, in the people of the university, the students, the staff, and the faculty. And, and that's, that's really what we're about. And of course, you have to get them, right, John? Well, yeah. No, what's interesting about that, and by the way, um, can uh, both of my parents are public school teachers turned professors. Whenever I refer to students as customers, I get the same admonishment. So I, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from there. But well, what's interesting, I was talking about this the other day when, when I was um, looking to make my college choice, uh, you know, longer ago than I care to admit, um, I didn't have that much information accessible to me. I, I was not able to probably do as much research as I would have liked to, and certainly not as much as students can do today in terms of creating a more direct line of sight uh, between investment in education and that outcome. Um, I believe the time has come for that bridge between hopefully outcomes and education provider to be built more overtly, but I think you're hitting on it exactly. Students uh, now have a little bit more um, ability to make the, get the information they need to make choices, and it does then it is on the university to provide more of that information and, and make the case. I know we don't want to call them customers, but they are making a buying decision. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm wondering how you're seeing that um, investment to outcome bridge evolving. And it seems like it's been put on hyperspeed uh, post COVID, mm -hmm. but I, I, I'm curious as to how you're feeling about that, what you're seeing locally. Yeah. I, you know, there was a, uh, an initiative, at the federal level, a couple of administrations ago, um, a couple of presidents ago, to create a, a scholarship scorecard, and every university criticized what what was in that scorecard. But but I think the concept is actually good, so that uh, a prospective student can compare uh, different universities, um, not not just in cost, 
uh, total costs. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of uh, opportunity costs when you go to a university, you know, you're, you, you don't, you could have taken a job, you could be working somewhere else uh, instead of going to, to college. But, but there is, a, but you do it because of this huge opportunity, but there are not just the cost, but also what are the outcomes, you know, and sometimes those outcomes are, are uh, you know, the, the, the retention of the students, the graduation rates, some of it can be if, if you if you care about uh, your having a job that pays well, you know what's the for different majors, you know what's the uh, salary that it might be, or, or you know how many of the graduates go into a, uh, a a a service of some type, maybe foreign service or 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 community service, or maybe a nonprofit. Whatever the interest is in that student, their their lifetime interest and, and understanding it often changes in college. The uh, having a scorecard that reflected, I, I think as a nation, we should come back and, and work on that and see if we can create something that allows uh, potential customers, high school students and their families to compare universities and, and colleges and majors too. I think John brought up a really salient point in both he and Joe have touched on things that are definitely near and dear to my heart as a faculty member, the idea of the shift in demographic of student, the idea of ROI, like what are our students getting from this? And, and like you said, um, President Fox, this idea of you have to be um, just cognizant of the student and what the student needs and the students, you know, they're looking at workplace readiness. They're looking at lifelong learning and being able to upskill and reskill, especially uh, post pandemic. We're going to see a lot of that. Um, talk to us about UF's ability to pivot and be agile at this time. You all have, I should say, we have President Fox, almost a 90% graduation rate, which is phenomenal when you think about the fact that we have a, a, a good portion of, when we think about higher education and how we serve the country, a lot of students out there now, or a lot of uh, former students are leaving uh, college and have not completed a college degree. So we have a good portion of uh, the, our society that these new traditional uh, students that potential students that are looking to maybe complete their degree but haven't been able to. So that's a big concern, the student loan debt, and we have a good portion of people that are in society or in our country now that still have not been able to complete college. But UF with those high that high graduation rate, clearly retention is there. Clearly there's intention as far as graduating students. What tips or strategies would you say have made UF able to attain that amazing, phenomenal uh, graduation rate? Liz, the, the, this is probably one of the great strengths of the University of Florida is, has been in, in that if a student comes here, it, the odds are really high. 90%, um, as you said, that they're going to get a UF degree um, in, in the, the federal measure, which is within six years. Um, and the and the, the retention from freshman to sophomore, so in other words, what percentage of those that start first year um, also come back as sophomores is 97%, last year it was. So it is, uh, that th those numbers are in the realm of, you know, the very, very best, most expensive private universities. Um, the, the one area that I would say that we are focusing on now, and it may not seem obvious, is just the, the time it takes to, to get the degree. Um, I would like to encourage our students to, to finish and go out and do great things. They may go into graduate school, they may, they may work in, in, in uh, you know, some, some wonderful nonprofit or, or they may start a company and whatever it is, but, but I, I, I want to encourage them to, they, they seem to, to stay here longer than, than they do at some other universities. So in other words, they, they, they don't finish in four years, they may finish in four and a half, four or five years. So that we're working on trying to figure that out, how to get them out of here. Maybe they just love being here, but I, I wanna get them graduated. Uh, but, but you're right in terms of, and I think it's really important when a student thinks about which college or university they're gonna go to, just look at, at what, and these numbers are, are publicly available for every college and university in the nation. Um, what percentage of the students that start uh, will get a degree from that university? And if it's down in the 50%, that, that's kind of scary. So that means your odds are not good. You'll ever get a degree from, from there. Um, so for us, it's, it has been 
in, in the current work that we're doing, we're, we're tracking those students that have problems uh, uh, at any point in their career uh, more effectively electronically and connecting and then sending messages to their advisors that you need to go, so the advisors don't have to go find the information, it's pushed out to, the, to, the, to them and asking and having, requiring the, the advisors then to reach out to those students and getting early indicators. So not just did you uh, not pass all your courses this semester, but are you uh, in your first set of exams or prelims as we sometimes call them here, uh, how, how are those students doing and trying to, to reach out to those students that have challenged because all students do and most of us have some challenge when we're in college. It may be the adjustment to high school, I know that was really hard for me, or it could be, you know, family family challenges, it could be health challenges, and and reaching out as those are occurring, rather than trying to fix it after the the result of the semester is done, or or you realize, wow, this student is just is is now about to drop out. So the early intervention, um, and we're also doing it on the other side, which is the financial aid side. We we borrowed this from some other places. It's what we're calling micro grants. So it is a, you know, we have a formal way as many places do of, of packaging financial aid. But in addition to that, we know that things happen, life happens. And you may have uh, a, a something that breaks down, your car doesn't work or, or here it's scooters or your bicycle doesn't work uh, and, and you don't have the money. But a, and, that, and we have found that a micro grant in which they just email in a couple paragraphs um, of, of their need, and it doesn't cost us a lot, makes a big difference in, in keeping them here through the semester. And we've just been startled how, well, why students will drop out because they have some, to us, looks like a modest financial need, but for them, they, they, they don't have any solution. And that micro grant, which is not part of the financial aid packaging, can make a big difference. So there's small things that are uh, in addition to the, the focus that, that we're learning uh, have made some differences. And, and now I just need to figure out a way to encourage them to, to get out faster and graduate faster. Well, and you know this, you, you yep. guys know this too. Your, your point about micro grants is so um, important to zero in on because um, I've done enrollment in marketing for about 20 years in higher ed. It, 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 it's not even the dollar amount as mm -hmm. much as it is the uh, yeah. when they're already frustrated, there's already feelings of uncertainty, and then that dollar amount hits, and it could be 200 bucks, it could be 2,000 yeah. bucks, it doesn't matter. It just becomes the justification of the frustration and of the uncertainty mm. and the reason to drop. And when you take that reason away, it brings your thought process back to, okay, wait a second, what am I doing? It, it really is an important part of retention is taking away the justification mm. for withdrawal. So well, I, well, well said, Joe. Yeah, you know, I the, think it's important. Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, this is, you know, I, I criticize our governments a lot. So I need to give them a, a, a positive plug here. Um, and this is not political at all because it spans the administrations. But I, I was just, the, the CARES Act money that went right to students around the whole nation just made a big, big uh, impact. Um, and it just went right to students um, uh, to, to help them in, in their financial need. Uh, and, and you didn't have to, you know, fill out a long federal financial aid uh, form. It just went right to them. And, and I, I would not have predicted that, that we would have done that as, as a nation, but we did. And I'm, I'm so pleased that we did it. It made a big difference, absolutely, in the lives of students that certainly would have dropped out for a year or two. Let me ask you about, um, let me just ask you quickly about value and value proposition. You know, we talked to... Um, a gentleman and his name's Rob Bulow. He works for a company called EverFi. And they're um, talking a lot about social mobility. They're talking about campus safety. They're talking about these other things that a student is looking for outside of, you know, that, that are in addition to now, you know, whether you have the right program, whether you're in the right geography, there's safety, it's mental health, support services. Talk to me about you know, uh, police on campus. I know there's been a lot of feelings towards police and police on campus. And, you know, obviously large universities usually have police force and, and so on. Talk mm -hmm. to me about how important or how, how closely you zero in on safety, campus mm -hmm. safety, um, social mobility, 
a, a mental health for the students to provide the safe space. Mm -hmm. But I'll first just talk about a little bit about the the the, the environment or maybe uh, the uh, the culture. Uh, I'm looking for the right word that 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 I work to to communicate. One of my roles as president is to to help formulate the, the environment or, or culture, or maybe ecosystem, if, if I was thinking of my computer engineering background. Um, and, and I can do that just with the platform that I have to some degree, through the language that I use, through the communications that, 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 I, that I have. And I try to communicate um, and, and it, uh, a couple of things. And it's interesting because uh, it's not just the students that, that see it and hear it, and, and I know it because they give me feedback, but it's also their parents, their families, and it's even applicants. And, it, and, and then it has some impact on, on those that, that work at the university, faculty and, and, and the staff. So the first thing is I, I, I work in my own communication and, and what I say, and hopefully what I do, communicate uh, that, that we care, that we care about each other, that we care about whether it's an employee caring about another person or it's a faculty member caring about a student. And, and that it's okay to use the word love. It's okay to use that we want you to be successful and we're here rooting for you. And so I, I use that theme, that message, those words a lot. And, and, it, and, it, and I think it really does begin to influence the, the, the atmosphere, the culture of, of a university. And, and that's so important when you have a big place and there's and you people can get get lost. Um, so it's it's the, the culture you create and that and that is and that can impact some of the things that that you mentioned with whether it is uh, the, the 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 student the, the black student who is uh, still underrepresented at the University of Florida or whether it is those that have had an experience with with police. Um, it it can begin to, to help. Does it solve the challenges, but, but it helps. Um, second thing I, I work on creating, it's, it is, you know, obviously we're, we're working hard to, to be even more excellent and, and achieve you know, goals, aspirational goals. But I say in the midst of that, let's have fun. And so, so I do things that hopefully communicate to the faculty that you can, you can, you can have fun in, in the midst of working hard. Um, so I, uh, this, actually yesterday we were working on, it seems surprising because it's still March, we're working on our annual April Fool's prank that the, that the president does. And we, uh, this is uh, something that we started my first year where, where we do something that is, uh, sometimes it gets national attention. One year, Liz, we announced that we were merging with Florida State University. Um, oh no! <laughs> that must have driven people crazy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got calls from Washington DC saying, <laughs> what's happening? You know, how can you do this without consulting all this stuff? And, and we got Florida State to play along. They, 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 they oh, that's funny. Lasted for a day. Uh, we, one year I announced that I was switching jobs with the coach and um, uh, the, the football coach, the football coach. Um, and, uh, and, and just in one year we, <laughs> sorry about this, but one year we announced that we were going to change our mascot. That we didn't want to be a Florida Gator anymore. We're going to no change way. So, so they, um, <laughs> okay. So it, uh, and we're, it, it's just an example of, of April is a really hard month in an academic year, and particularly this year, because you're getting near final exams. And, and it's okay to have fun as you work hard and, and as you love each other and care for each other. So that, that, that's part of it. I, I'm not sure it's, it's exactly the answer to in terms of exactly what students are looking for, but. But, but it does send a couple of important messages that I think I, I as president can uniquely send and it, not many other people can do that and, and pull it off, such as the April Fool's joke. Yeah, speaking of which, I really thought it was April when I showed up here and John was on as well. John, do you wanna jump in with a, a final question before Liz takes over? Yeah, sure. You know what, uh, I've always wondered this, so um, Dr. Fox, hopefully you'll indul indulge me in this curiosity, but you know, University of Florida is part of the SEC. Uh, and I've always just kind of wondered um, with the SEC housing, these large national universities, how do you all idea share? And I guess it's, it's been even more curious for me in light of COVID, because I'm sure that's brought up all kinds of challenges across the conference. But I'm curious how presidents within a conference might idea share, ideate and, and problem solve and how that, 
how that drifts down to the rest of your teams across the conference. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I would say the conference that traditionally has done this best, um, uh, um, and the SEC is, is, is just amazing in many areas. I'll mention a couple in a minute, but the, the one conference that's shared this across the entire university. So in other words, the entire university, uh, whether you're in your faculty member or, or you're the athletic director has benefited, has been the Big Ten. So the Big Ten has had a, uh, I, I, you know, I was at Purdue and, and Illinois for many years and, and there they have leadership courses for, for uh, those that wanna move into a leadership role. They, they, they just do a whole bunch of things on, in different areas. The SEC has modeled us in some of our, our ways of doing things. Our, our provost, our chief academic officers um, work together. They have an annual conference. We have, have initiatives where we're, we're sponsoring an academic initiative now across the SEC. Um, and, and I would say that the, uh, there's a lot of, within the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, there's, there's a lot of collegiality that I, this is my seventh year, uh, I've really enjoyed the universities can be quite different. You know, there's Vanderbilt and there's Alabama and there's just, you know, we, the, the universities have, have sort of different backgrounds, but uh, the, the, the tone of the, of the place is one in which we, we really do compete hard in, in athletics. Uh, but uh, when it comes to helping the conference, the universities be successful overall, we're all in on that. And so, at, you know, just around COVID, I'll say that the SEC presidents, this is now March, so it's been one year, have now met 52 times, uh, the presidents as a group, 52 times, uh, 52 meetings, all by Zoom. Incredible. That's meetings. incredible. Yeah, yeah, in the past year, uh, just, just around how are we going to allow our athletes uh, to compete and, and do it as safe as possible. So that, for me, that's a lot of meetings uh, with, with SEC presidents. Yeah, I guess uh, just quick follow up to that, as you, I know you're all taking on all of these challenges. You mentioned the attrition rate, which I think is near and dear to all of our hearts. We want the graduation rate to go up as high as possible. I've always felt like tech could play a role in this. I mean, the amount of data that higher ed is sitting on uh, in terms of understanding different student scenarios, and I'll use myself mm -hmm. as an example, was not your strongest quant student. Let's just put it that way. Um, and so as I, I don't think I was alone. And when I got to a certain part of my marketing major, I encountered certain more quantitative aspects of, of that program, uh, performance started to dip. And I've always felt like there should be a way for us to understand yep. people going through that major. When I get to class X, they tend yep. to struggle. And us to preemptively kind of service, uh, one, the idea that, hey, you're not alone. A bunch of your peers have been through this. And then B, here's some tutoring services or some things to think about. I bring that as one example, Dr. Fox, is just say like, how do you think tech can help higher ed going forward? How can Silicon Valley and, and our ecosystem collaborate with y'all to, to help on these initiatives? I, I think it's just wide open frontier with, you're absolutely right. We, we most universities uh, just don't use all that information. There's so much because our, our students are, are here with us uh, so much. We know so much about them and, and, our, and our employees and our faculty, we're, we're, we're a city and the information in the city, you know, we know what they eat during the day. We know all kinds of things. And, and there has to be some ways to, to help. Uh, and and I, I believe companies, John, like Google and, and others are, are ahead of us as universities and using this to the, to the benefit. Um, and obviously, uh, making sure we don't cross the line with privacy and, and all of that. But we're, there, there is, this I would say is probably the largest opportunity for the future in enhancing education. And it, my guess, don't you agree that this wouldn't just be universities, but even K through 12, particularly universities, because we, we have them for four years and they're living and learning with us. Um, but I'll bet K through 12 could benefit as well. Could not agree. I think there's a solution to be devised that if it's figured out in one place, it will help everywhere. Mm. Um, so, you know, by the next time we talk to you, I'm sure we'll have it solved. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> in the meantime, but thanks for your feedback. I, I think there is something for us as a, yeah. as a tech community to help. Oh, with. I agree. Absolutely. 
I'm so glad John brought that up because I'm a huge uh, supporter of online learning, have worked in the sector for over a decade, have been an online instructor uh, for probably about 12 years uh, or so, taught at a variety of different community colleges and local, uh, and actually across the country, all kinds of colleges and universities across the country. I love the idea of incorporating technology and looking at how online learning can continue to evolve. I started Black History and Culture Academy uh, about a month ago, it's actually almost going on two months now, which is a, a, a micro learning platform to teach Black history, whether it's African American history, African history, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and I just reached a real big milestone for myself. I have about 130 students enrolled, subscribed to my program. Mm -hmm. It's like a Netflix style. Uh, 20 courses so far in the program, and I'm looking to have 50 by summer, 100 classes in the program by the end of the year. So I'm a Gator alum that's working to, to do you guys proud, Dr. Fox, and, and I'm working to be uh, a college president too in my own little way of my own platform. So I yeah. wanted to uh, thank you so much, and I, and I wanted to uh, just close out uh, by giving myself a little shout out and in, in, in talking about just how Gators, I think in the community, we always look back to uh, that pride we have in, in making University of Florida proud and, and really making a difference in the community in whatever way that we can. So I wanna definitely uh, just thank you for uh, continuing to lead University of Florida and being such a, a model for success uh, for Florida schools and, and being such a bright light for uh, University of Florida in your leadership. And thank you for spending this time with us. It's been amazing to hear your insights. You're so down to earth and, and you have so much insight about um, the success, not just of University of Florida, but uh, education as a sector. So we appreciate and really value everything that you have shared with us today, all the gems of wisdom that you dropped. Literally, I have a notebook full of uh, insights that you provided us with today. So we just wanna make sure that we um, let you know how honored and privileged we were for this time and wrap up by asking you our last couple of questions, which would be, uh, first, is there anything that we didn't touch on, anything that you wanna mention that's happening there in Gainesville and University of Florida campus that you wanna make sure that we share with our listeners? And the second question would be, what do you see as the future for higher education? Mm, mm. You know, you, you all have asked just a whole bunch of, of great, great, great questions. And so um, I, I feel the audience has a, a sense of both uh, what it's like to be a Florida Gator, but also a, a sense of, of just how blessed our nation is uh, with the rich spectrum of, of colleges and, and universities. Uh, you know, 4,000 of them out there. And, and I think this is, I'm biased, but I think it's our, our nation's greatest asset are those colleges and universities and, and the associated programs uh, around, around our, our nation. So, so thank you. You know, when, when I look at, at the uh, future of, of higher education, particularly um, future of colleges and, and degrees that student might, and programs students may pursue after, after high school, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm an eternal optimist in, in this area. Uh, there's certainly challenges. Uh, uh, I'll mention one that I, I think one of the biggest ones for us is, is how we can continue as a nation to be a welcoming place for uh, graduates of high schools of other nations. Um, we just have to figure out how to, how to bring the best and the brightest to our nation in addition to uh, providing an education to all of our students that wanna go on beyond, beyond high school and, and, uh, and not miss anyone within our nation that, has, that should have an opportunity to go to college, but also bring in the very best and the brightest. And our nation has been so, so, it has benefited so much by having immigrants come uh, as college students uh, or maybe a graduate student. Uh, and, and then they've, they've done incredible things, uh, either here or going back to their own nation. So, so to me, that's, that's a challenge. How do we continue that and even double down and, and make it richer? But I'm just an optimist about, about how our higher education across this nation continues to evolve and how I, I believe if, if we as a nation are going to make progress on issues of of race and, and equity and, and all of the things that, that we care about, it's gotta start with, within our colleges and universities and, and with our students, because these are the ones that are gonna go out and, and make the breakthroughs and, uh, and make our nation great, 
make our, our, our world an amazing place for everyone. Uh, so so I, I'm an optimist that, that we will find solutions to the challenges and they're gonna be incredible opportunities to make, uh, high, to make college and to make uh, university experience even richer than it was for us when I went in the 1970s. Uh, and, uh, and, and as a result of that, society, society will be stronger as, as we continue to improve evolve, um, learn from COVID, uh, learn from the, the challenges we've all faced this past year. So thank you all. Well, this has been outstanding. One final, final question. Uh, Kent, who was your favorite host today? And you can't say Liz or John. Uh, it's, so, it's very obvious who his favorite host is. Don't embarrass yourself, please. Any further than you already have. Appreciate you not answering Liz or John. Thank you, Kent. We'll close the episode out. That, uh, well, this has been uh, outstanding. Um, I, I, I really thank you, John. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Loved uh, it. And uh, Liz, as always, thank you. Kent, uh, it's been an honor, absolutely. Another episode of the Oedip Experience with Dr. W. Kent Fox. He is president of the University of Florida. Kent, thank you so much. Hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Oedip Experience. To learn more about the Oedip Experience, please visit our website at www.oedipexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Oedip Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Oedip Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.